Good morning, everybody. Welcome to <coughs> excuse me to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you again on this Friday. You know, Fridays on my radio program I call First Amendment Friday because I generally open the lines up and take as many calls as I can and try not to get into um, long monologues, but rather try to get as many calls in as possible because often it's not until the second or third segment, the, 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 sorry, the third or fourth segment of my radio program that I actually get to take calls. Uh, so today is always a special day. Now, I've been discussing this with, with my wife, and I know some of you make comments, and I, I, to tell you the truth, I'm a little derelict at getting in, reading those comments. I do occasionally, but not that often. And when I do, I respond to the comments. And we were talking about the possibility of t- turning Friday into maybe an opportunity for people to, to comment and for me to respond to comments or maybe ask questions for me to respond to those questions. Uh, so we'll play around with that a little bit and see where that goes. I don't think I can do what I'm doing on Friday and take questions and comments. I think one is going to crowd out the other, so I'm going to have to choose to do one or the other. you have any thoughts about that, comment. <laughs> so feel free. If you'd like to have some interaction with me on the podcast uh, through the comments that would be coming through, and I would, of course, be using primarily Facebook. I don't know any other methodology right now for that. And some of you may be watching through bishopewjackson.tv, or you might be watching on the website, standamerica.us. I think that's all we've got it airing on right now, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, however you're watching, if I start taking questions, then I'd probably be doing that through Facebook. So, you know, people, a lot of people would end up having to shift over to Facebook, at least to make the comments. Uh, So, but that's something we're thinking and praying about, and and I I solicit your input on that, you know, what you think about it, whether you'd rather me just keep doing what I'm doing, or you'd like to see an opportunity for a greater interaction, and Friday might be an opportunity for that, sort of a a, a wisdom awakening kind of First Amendment Friday, where I get to hear your, read your comments, I should say, and, uh, and then respond to them. Uh, I've got a couple of other things I've got to do in the way of, uh, of housekeeping. Um, I'm going to be, uh, I've got a couple of speaking engagements coming up, and, and uh, I've been reminded to make sure that everybody knows about these. I am going to be speaking in Jackson, Mississippi on the 16th of September, Jackson, Mississippi on the 16th of September. Um, at the Greater Jackson Roaring Lambs Luncheon. And let's see, I believe I'm also going to be um, doing something else there, but, but, but at any rate, uh, these things are always in flux. But I know I'm speaking at the luncheon on Thursday, September 16th, from 11.30 to 1 p.m. That's going to be at the Mississippi Agriculture and Forestry Museum at 1150 Lakeland Drive in Jackson, Mississippi. That's on September the 16th, okay? Uh, and I think there's, there's something else I'm going to be doing while I'm down there, but I'm not absolutely sure uh, what that is. Um, so forgive me for that, folks. Uh, that's why I don't keep my own schedule, because I'm not very good at it. I'm going to be speaking uh, with Andrew Womack at Truth and Liberty Conference on September the 11th. And, of course, you all know that that's going to be at, um, at Andrew Womack Ministries, uh, Karis College up in, uh, um, what is it? Uh, I always say Wood, 
Woodland Park, Woodland Park, Colorado, just above Colorado Springs, Woodland Park, Colorado. So I'll be there on September the 11th. If you're anywhere in the area, come on by. We'd love to see you there. And I'm also going to be skipping to October. I think I've got something else in, uh, in September. In fact, I think I got something locally here in September. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm sure I do. Let me see if I can find it. Yes, I'm going to be speaking at the U.S. Constitution and Citizens Day celebration in Suffolk, Virginia uh, on September the 18th. So right after I get back from Mississippi, I'll be speaking there on September the 18th. You should be able to find all this stuff on our website. Uh, I'll double check that today and make sure that the website includes the speaking engagements. Should be able to find them there because I know that may, it may be a little bit hard to follow, you know, what I'm telling you off the bat. But you could also call our office if you are interested in attending something and you didn't get the details, call our office 757-375-6444 and talk to Vanity and she'll give you the details as to where I'm appearing. Uh, one other event, I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas. Um, wait a minute, what is this? Okay, folks, I'm finding things in my schedule. I'm not even <laughs> aware of. <laughs> Woo, okay. Um, but it looks like I got another, I got a Dallas Texas event on the 22nd, but I don't know. Um, okay, but at any rate, um, as I'm looking at my schedule here, I'm seeing things that I'm, I'm questioning. Uh, oh, my goodness, yes. And I'm going to be speaking at at uh, Temple Baptist Church uh, for the Salt and Light Conference in North Carolina, in Mount Airy, North Carolina, uh, at Temple Baptist Church, 3615 Rockford Street, on September the 25th. This is taking more time than I expected. September the 25th. Uh, I, I forgot all these events, and one of them I'm not... I'm, not even sure of, so I'm not even going to get into that with you. But um, but but I've been asked by hosts to please please announce where you're going to be, so you know you help turn people out. Um, on October the third, I will be speaking at Cornerstone Church in Granbury at the 10 a.m. service. There will be a luncheon to which people are invited following that, where I, I have a more intimate setting, be able to talk to people and interact with people. And then I'll be speaking at First Baptist Church in Dallas uh, at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday, October the 3rd. And then there may be something else happening, but we're not sure about that. You know, when I go to places, we try to maximize my time. So, so, so often people piggyback on my appearances and, and create something else so I have another opportunity to talk to people that might not be able to show up at a particular event. So I'm doing three events right now. And, and there might be a fourth when I'm in Dallas, Texas. Um, that is October, Sunday, October the 3rd in Granbury at 10 a.m. Uh, for a service there at Generations Church of Granbury uh, at uh, luncheon immediately following that, which is open to the public, whether you went to the church service or not. And then that evening, I'll be back in Dallas, Texas to speak at an event at First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Okay, all right. Got all that out of the way. Took more time than I expected it to take. 
Uh, but just so you know, and I'll make sure that this stuff is on the website. There are two websites, you, well, more than two you could probably go to, but you can certainly go to standamerica.us for my speaking engagements. I think that's under um, uh, Bishop Jackson's events. Yes, Bishop Jackson's events. I think you'll find all of those listed there. Um, and we may not have it yet on our app, but it's going. To, we're going to make sure that it goes on the app. The app does have a place for my events. We just have to make sure that those things are uploaded into the app so that when you, if you have the app, don't forget the app, by the way, folks. Go, Apple Store or Google Store, just type in, type in E.W. Jackson, E.W., no periods, no spaces, skip a space, Jackson, or E. period, W. period, skip a space, Jackson, and you'll, you'll see our app come up. Download the app, and we'll make sure all this stuff is on the app as well, okay? All right, well, I want to get back to Philippians. I'm having a great time with Philippians. I'm kind of getting to it at the end, but, but nevertheless, I'm going to get to it. But before we do that, I just want to make a comment on something that's been very much in the news in spite of all the Afghanistan news and, and all the other things that are happening. And that is this new Texas law that has just been uh, passed and the Supreme Court declined to hear a case challenging the law. So that means that the law now stands. It is a heartbeat bill that for all practical purposes prohibits an abortion after about six weeks when a heartbeat can be detected. It also provides, by the way, that you may not, you may not aid or abet with an abortion after that six week period subject to, I believe, civil penalties. I don't think criminal penalties, but subject certainly to civil penalties if you in aid or abet an abortion after the proscribed period of time in which an abortion is still legal in Texas. And I say, praise God. I am elated by this. This is wonderful. Now, uh, I, here, but here's what I want to comment on. And, and God bless Texas and God bless the legislature there and, and the governor there for having the moral fortitude to take a stand on what I consider the most essential moral issue of our time. But here's what I really want to get to. And so praise God for that. I, I pray that that will happen in every state. And ultimately, the Supreme Court will see fit to overturn the, the uh, Roe v. Wade, which is horrible law, horrible law. It, that, look, folks, in a strictly technical legal sense, a woman has a constitutional right to an abortion because under our system, the Supreme Court said so. But in an ultimate moral and constitutional sense, there is no right to kill your unborn baby. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives you that right. And there's certainly nothing in the law of God that gives you that right. But the Supreme Court made up a right under the right to privacy that you can kill your own baby. You can let a doctor do that. And it's perfectly legal and you are protected in doing so. Abominable law. Abominable law. And I'll tell you what, people are going to answer to God for it. But, you know, here's what I really want to get to. The Democrat Party 
the left is going apoplectic. They are going crazy over this. Oh, they can't believe, oh, this is an assault on women. And let me just say something that needs to be said, and I'll say this in a genteel way, but you will understand my point. No woman has to get pregnant, okay? No woman has to get pregnant. Now, there may be a situation of forcible rape, um, abuse, sexual abuse. Those are very, very rare exceptions, very real, very rare exceptions. By the way, just for the record, even in those cases, the baby didn't do anything wrong. Why kill the baby? How, why punish the baby? Why rip the baby apart? Why inject the baby with saline solution? But those, those are rare instances in which a woman gets pregnant and she has no choice in the matter. But in 99.9% of the circumstances, women get pregnant because they engage in an activity that can lead to pregnancy. So if you don't want to get pregnant, don't engage in that activity. Very simple. You know, the Bible provides a, 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 a perfect means for avoiding pregnancy. Don't have sex. And by the way, it works. It's 100% foolproof. Okay? It is absolutely foolproof. It works 100% of the time. But we've, we've uh, in this country, we've created a promiscuous culture uh, and the hookup and do your own thing and oh it's just sex and 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 here's our answer to it if you happen to get pregnant just kill the baby no problem I mean after all even though you can see hands and feet within a few weeks even though you see the baby making human movements in a few weeks ah it's not human kill it folks this is why I say the left is really, has really become a cult. Because, you know, I, I define a cult as an organization that convinces people that the denial of reality is the way to live. And so everything that's normal and right and good, you reject. And everything that is, according to the cult at least, normal and right and good, even though it may be perverse and wicked and evil and twisted, you accept. And the left has become a gigantic cult. So it, it, it's, it, it's, it's an Isaiah 5 cult. Evil is good, good is evil. Darkness is light, light is darkness. Uh, 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 bitter is sweet, sweet is bitter. They are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. It is a gigantic cult. And it's based upon the idolatry of self. The only thing that matters is me, according to this cult, and what I want to do. And nobody else matters, and nobody else has any say, and nobody else has any right to in any way inhibit my behavior. See, look folks, that's why they're letting criminals out of jail. 
it is the it is the logical extension of their whole philosophy, which is everybody do your own thing. And it's no it's not your fault, somebody else's fault. You need to kill your baby, kill your baby. It's not your fault. It's the fault of the guy who got you pregnant. He does and he has nothing to say about it because it's his fault anyway. And a cult is a kind of religion. And anybody who won't go along with the religion, of course, is excommunicated, is, is disfellowshipped, is kicked out. Maybe, and maybe not just kicked out of the religion, but kicked out of your job, kicked, kicked out of your business, uh, your reputation ruined, because you won't go along. Now, I, I was shocked to see this, but, but Matthew Dowd is a former uh, Bush appointee, Bush two, former Bush appointee. And he was talking to uh, a, an MSNBC reporter, uh, you know, being interviewed by the Marxist Socialist No Brains Channel. That's what MSNBC stands for, in case you didn't know. Marxist, Socialist, No Brains Channel. CNN, by the way, is the Communist News Network. Um, this guy, this Bush appointee, oh, Lord, and I voted for Bush twice. Whew. But he says, I'm quoting now, a Bush appointee, a Republican, a conservative. I'm quoting. I'm a Christian. I go to church every week. The idea these folks think the word pro-life belongs in their mouth, it ought to be ripped out of their mouth. These folks are constantly talking about pro-life and they want nothing to do with anything about guns, meaning they are pro-Second Amendment. I am. I am a pro-life, Bible-believing Christian, and I am pro-Second Amendment because we have a God-given right to defend ourselves, but apparently I should have pro-life ripped out of my mouth says they want nothing to do with capital punishment. He means, he means they don't want to stop capital punishment. The Bible says, he that shed man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. I think capital punishment ought to certainly be rare. Um, it ought to be handled with, with great caution. But it is nevertheless morally justifiable that a person who takes the lives of others may well have his or her own life forfeited. It is moral, it is right, it is just. How can you compare that with killing an innocent unborn baby? Says, and they don't want, they don't want to fund health care for people who, that, who, this, who may be born. They're not pro-life, they're simply pro-birth. Well, first of all, I don't know a single person who's against health care for everybody. I don't know a single person who's against it. I know plenty of people, and I'm one of them, who is against the government taking over the healthcare system. And see, they equate the two. I am pro-healthcare. I support clinics and, 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 and volunteer doctors and nurses and, and emergency treatment and I, I, I support every effort to get health care to Americans who maybe can't afford it or what have you. 
except having the government take over the healthcare system. I am diametrically opposed to it because it is nothing but a power grab that takes us one step closer to a socialist state and I'm against it. <laughs> I could throw a little, little bit of hillbilly lingo there. <laughs> and I am absolutely pro-life. These people worship abortion. They worship it. It's like, in fact, I, I shared this with you before. I don't know whether you were watching what I did or you've heard about this, but the satanic temple sued the state of Texas on the basis that abortion is one of their satanic rights. I don't mean right R-I-G-H-T, but right R-I-T-E. In other words, it's one of abortion is one of their satanic rituals. And you get this idiot talking about, I'm a Christian and I don't. No, you're not a Christian. Uh, let me just say that point blank. You think you are. You're not. Because Jesus said, suffer the little children, allow the little children, permit the little children to come to me and do not forbid them for if such is the kingdom of heaven. He was very protective of children, rebuked his own disciples. You mean to tell me the same Jesus who picked up children in his arms and blessed them would see an unborn child say, oh, no, you can kill that. No problem. Good. That's Any good Christian will, um, kill, will kill an unborn baby. Of course, that's okay. Are you kidding me? Now, look. Joe Biden has said he is going to unleash the entire apparatus of the government against what Texas has done. See, this is what I mean, folks. These baby killers, and that's what they are, baby killers, because these are babies. They're not globs of tissue, they're babies. But these baby killers don't have any problem dipping their nasty hands in the blood of the innocent blood of unborn children. They don't have any problem with that. But they want to grab your hand and dip your hand in that blood too. Give me your taxpayer dollars. We want to kill more babies. We want the legal system that you as a taxpayer pay for. We want it to sanction the killing of these babies. You shut up and you participate in this satanic right. You don't have anything to say about it. You know, I've said before, folks, I, I am becoming more and more committed to this principle that these people having rejected God hate humanity. Well, every totalitarian system does, right? Every dictator does. I mean, ultimately, they see human beings as valueless. They see themselves as ultimately valuable. And so killing other human beings is no big deal if, if they're in the way of this grand utopian vision that you have. That's the way they think. And now they've taken it to the most innocent among us who have never done anything to anybody, an innocent unborn baby, and say, in order to further our vision of what life should be, we want to kill these babies. And we want to be applauded for it.
I told you all that about a, 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 a you may, here again, you may not have been watching, but when I went to the uh, National Association of Christian Legislators Conference, there was a Christian legislator from Vermont, the only, I think the only Christian legislator in Vermont, the only one in the People's Republic of Vermont, Bernie Sanders' little socialist experiment said that on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the Democrats get together and celebrate. Get drunk, high five, you know, uh, just just have a good old party time. <laughs> Woo! We killed a million babies this year. Wow! They might as well invite, invite the Satanic Temple to be there with them to celebrate because they would certainly smile. And they would be, they would rejoice with them. But for this idiot to say, I'm a Christian, you're a liar is what you are, Matthew Dowd. You are a liar. You're no Christian. And to go on, on the, the, the Marxist, socialist, no brains channel and with a bunch of godless people. Yeah, they're all worked up. We're not going to be able to kill as many babies as we used to in Texas. Wow. That's we, we, what can we do to put a stop to that? And Joe Biden, Mr. Catholic, why, why has the Catholic church excommunicated him? He doesn't deserve to call himself a Catholic. I know many Catholic devout, love God, love their church, moral upright people, pro life people, honorable, decent. And when they say I'm a Catholic, they, they, it means something to them. And this idiot wears it. Joe Biden wears it as, as some kind of, of, uh, really just really just some kind of political label that he can use. He figures he picks up, pick up a few votes of other people who want to call themselves Catholics and want to kill babies too. I am elated by what Texas has done. I hope it becomes a model for the nation. And I hope, trust ultimately it will be a reflection, ultimately, ultimately, just like slavery, folks. And this will make the heads of leftists explode. But, but abortion is just like slavery. There is a spiritual blindness in people that they cannot see the inhumanity. They cannot see the evil. They cannot see the, 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 the wickedness of what they are doing. They're, they're blinded by the, by, the, by the normality that people have given this evil and they can't see that it's evil. And even though there are others around them saying it's evil, just like there were, there was during the slave period, there were people saying, this is evil. We can't do this. It must stop. Oh, no, no, wait, no, no, no. This is perfectly good because black people aren't quite human. And this is what God intended. And after all, they're my property. And, and all the same arguments are used for abortion. And it is just as evil. In fact, I dare argue it is more evil because it is taking a human life. Slavery was capturing a human life and enslaving that life and using that life. And that's that that is evil, folks. It is wrong. It is going on today, by the way, in other nations of the world today. It is going on through human trafficking today, human trafficking today. And it is wrong. But abortion is the cold blooded murder of a human being.
that is more wrong. They're both at the far scale of evil. But abortion outstrips even slavery because at least a person who is enslaved has an opportunity to be set free and to live. That baby's ability to live has been completely and totally taken away. I wanted to get that out there so that there'd be no uncertainty in your mind and in your heart. And by the way, I don't have time to teach it right now. I'm sure every Christian listening to me knows God has made clear that he knows babies in the womb. He knows, he says, as you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. He said that to Jeremiah. He says that in Psalm 139, God knows us as we are being formed in our mother's wombs. And God says he is the one who is doing the forming. He is the one who put that process in place. How dare any human being think that they've got a right to go and snuff that baby's life out because they, it's not convenient for them. Or because they're being paid $5,000 or $1,000 or whatever, whatever the going rate for killing a baby is today. Now, for the mothers out there, the women out there who have had abortions, you've repented before God. God forgives. God's not holding it against you. God doesn't hate you. I don't hate you. But I'll tell you what, I do hate the abortion industry. I hate the industry that is trying to convince women that they're doing something good and right and noble by killing their unborn baby. I hate that industry. I don't hate the people in it, but I hate that whole system. And God's going to bring that thing down. In the name of Jesus, the abortion industry is coming down. I declare the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the name of Jesus. It was abominable. It was, it was, it was as bad as Dred Scott. So it has no place in American life, no place in American law, no place in American culture. It ought to be overturned. And I'm a lawyer. I recognize it's the law of the land. I realize that. But it's wrong law. It's bad law. Just like the fugitive slave law was bad law. Just like, like uh, everything that upheld the institution of slavery was bad law. It's bad law. And it needs to be overthrown and done away with it. And done away with. All right, folks, let's, 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 <laughs> let's get back to Philippians, shall we? But that was important to be said. And anybody who listens to this idiot, Matthew Dow, talking about, I'm a Christian. Well, you got Christians running around talking about they're Christian and they're gay and God made them like that way and all that. In other words, They've got their own Bible that they've written, okay? And in their Bible, homosexuality is good. It's not sin. And in their Bible, killing an unborn baby is good. It's not sin. The problem is that they and the Bible that they've written is going directly to hell if they don't repent and stop blaspheming God with their own so-called truth. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And they can 
ignore it and they can twist it and they can turn it and they can manipulate it and they can try to make it say something it doesn't say and they can claim to be Christians all they want, but they're hell-bound sinners is what they are. Hell-bound. You better repent because the grace of God is available. But there's no grace in, I'm fine. I, what I'm doing is okay and everybody ought to approve it. And I want others to join in with your sin. No, thank you. No, thank you. And, and Joe Biden is trying to curse the whole, his whole administration by saying, I want to turn all the resources of my administration against this Texas law. Really? Okay. See how you make out trying to justify the shedding of innocent blood. See how that works out for you. I guarantee you it's not going to work out well because you reap what you sow. All right, let's come back to Ephesians. <clears throat> we covered verses 12 through 14, and Paul was talking about the saints of, of Philippi sharing in his chains and how his experience is furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's jump to verse 15. Well, actually, we covered verse 15. I said, some preach... Um, Christ from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. In fact, but you know what? We covered all the way to verse 18, actually, all the way to verse 18. So let's pick up at verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Christ. In other words, everything I'm going through will turn out for my deliverance. Now, look. When Paul says, will turn out for my deliverance, he's saying, it's all going to work out for my good. It's all going to work out for my good. It's all going to, to be good for me, good for my soul. Now, remember, I've said this many times. God doesn't create or engineer bad things in our lives. God engineers the bad things to make them good things in our lives. Not to make the thing good, but to make the outcome, the result, good for you. Say, now, Bishop, there's some things you just can't say that about. No, you can say that about anything. You can say it about anything. Remember, I didn't say he makes the thing good. If something bad happens to you, it was bad, it's always going to be bad. The question is, what is the ultimate result of that bad thing that happened? How does God take that bad thing and turn it into something good. I said, your misery can become your ministry. Okay. Your mess can become the manifestation of something great in your life. That's the way God works. So God is not doing bad things to us, but God loving us is taking bad things and working them out for our good. That's what Romans 8.28 says. That's what the name of my church is based on. For we know that all things work together for good for those who are the called. We are the called church. It comes from that verse. Those who are the called, for those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. See, he works all things out for your good. Doesn't mean all things are good, but God works them out for your good. And he says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed with all boldness as always, 
so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. See, so Paul is not saying necessarily he's going to survive this, that he's not going to come, that he's not going to be killed. He's not saying that. He's saying, but this is working out for my good no matter what. You know, I've shared this with you all before, and yeah, I've been counseled by experts that probably shouldn't, but from time to time, it just seems to me appropriate to do so. But I mean, I've received my share of negative letters and calls and death threats and all that. Um, but you know, I've said this many times. If somebody managed to kill me, it would be a promotion. I mean, I know where I'm going. But I also believe this. Remember Paul said, uh, I'll find that verse for you, but Paul said, I, I, I am caught between two choices, whether to stay here, which is more needful for you, or to depart and be with Christ. For to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So Paul says, I'm caught between whether to, to, to stay or go. Now, listen, he talks about that as if it's his choice. And let me tell you something that you won't hear in traditional religion, but it's true. If you are a born-again believer walking with God, it is your choice. I know people believe that the Bible teaches, no, no, you're... It is appointed, your time to die is already appointed. That's, the Bible does not teach that. What the Bible teaches is that it is appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. There's no reincarnation, there's no coming back. No, it is appointed once to die and then the judgment. But you know, when you, when you leave this earth, is a matter of mutual agreement between you and the Lord. Say, Bishop, now come on. I, I, how can I believe that? How many times have you heard stories of people um, who have died and actually been translated into heaven and then told, you got to go back? I mean, I've, I've heard that story so many, you got to go back. And the person looks at it, I don't want to go back, but you need it. Okay, I'll go back. Look, the Bible says death has no authority over us. The power of death was broken by Jesus Christ. Now, I know this is advanced Christianity, folks, but understand something. You don't have to leave this world until you and God are ready. Paul said what? I am now ready to be offered up. I am ready. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. I mean, listen to Paul saying, I, I feel like I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I'm ready now. So Paul is not worried about dying. And he doesn't see death as some kind of defeat. He believes that everything that's happening, and by the way, folks, I said if they kill me, it's a promotion. 
But, but here's the other thing. You can't kill me until God is ready for me. You can't, you can't even, you can't assassinate me. You can't do anything with me until God says, okay, I'm ready. And, and, and by the way, Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bear forth fruit. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it will bring forth much fruit. In other words, God, I really believe, calls some people to martyrdom for the purpose of advancing the cause of Christ. Now, I don't believe that every Christian or that even most Christians are called to martyrdom. But I believe that every Christian is called to be willing. To be willing. So Paul here is not, is not saying, well, everything that's happening is going to make sure that I'm set free. He's saying all of it is working out to my good, even if it's time for me to go home to be with the Lord. He says, whether by life or by death, he said, Christ will be magnified in my body. <laughs> wow. Praise God. You know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Look, that means you can't lose. When you put it all on the line for Christ Jesus, you are magnifying him. If you lose your life, he said, he that loses his life for my sake will find it. He that finds his life will lose it. In other words, if you give up your life, and by the way, not just physically, but metaphorically, either way, you surrender your life for the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you gain everything. You don't lose anything. You gain everything. For to live is Christ. Here it is right here. And to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I choose, I cannot tell. For I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I'm quoting it. And I'm getting ready to read it. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So Paul says in this case, I've decided I'm staying for now. <laughs> Praise God. Boy, that'll, 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 that'll bust wide open some traditional theology, won't it? Paul says, I, I have a desire to leave and be with the Lord. That's game. But I know I need to stay here with you. I think I'm going to stay here with you for a while. I, I decided I'm going to do that. That is very different than now, you know, when you're, when it's your time, it's your time. There's, there's nothing in the Bible that says that. When it's your time, it's your time. If that were the case, God wouldn't have spared Hezekiah and added 15 years to his life. Hezekiah, God told him through the prophet Isaiah, uh, set yourself. Get your house in order where you shall live. I mean, for you shall die. And Isaiah turns his face to the wall and cries out to God and say, Lord, I've tried to serve you. I've tried to do what you wanted me to do. I've tried to be your representative here as king. And, and God sees his tears and, and hears his heart. And, and God tells Isaiah, go back and tell him I've added 15 more years to his life. 
Hallelujah. So, so folks, we're not fatalists. Well, you know, any day might be my day. No, no, no. Are you done? Now, look, don't get me wrong. I don't take life for granted. I don't take God for granted. I realize that my safety and security is in Christ Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I'm out of time. But I tell people all the time, look, I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment because I believe we have an inherent God-given right to defend ourselves and our families against those who would do us harm, period. And I make no apologies for it. But I know that my ultimate security is not in a firearm. My ultimate security is in Christ Jesus. And yes, as a human being, I do what is responsible. I mean, I know that God is the one who feeds me and clothes me, but I know I've got to work too. <laughs> so I take responsibility for the do, doing the things that God has charged me to do, but I know that ultimately it's God who's blessing me and keeping me and protecting me and helping me. And so until the Lord and I have agreed that, okay, Lord, Am I done? Yeah, you're done. I, that's what I, Lord, I'm in agreement. I'm done. And by the way, for all the leftists monitoring my stuff, I am not near done. <laughs> I got a long way to go. And I'm going to be a hindrance and an irritation. And ultimately, God grant me the ability to be the destruction of your leftist ideology and your Marxist thinking and your anti-Christian, anti-God, morally perverse, sexually perverse, racially divisive thinking. I, if, if, in the name of Jesus, if I could be the one to destroy all of that and restore the full vitality of our constitutional republic, believe me, I'd step up and say, here my Lord, send me. I know it's not just me, it's, it's millions of us, but you understand my point <laughs> that I'm happy to make sure that that happens and I'm going to be here until it does. Glory to God. I'm, I believe I'm going to see it in my lifetime. So all the leftists out there, just hang your heads and just, just say, oh, <laughs> he's, <laughs> will we ever get rid of him? The answer is no, you won't. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm over by time. God bless each and every one of you. I love you. Pray for me. Hey, have a wonderful weekend. Go to church. And if you're here in the local area, here in Virginia somewhere, or if you're in Hawaii for that matter, <laughs> you're looking for a church to go to, fly on into 943 Canal Drive. I will be there preaching this coming Sunday. I've been out a couple Sundays, but I will be there preaching this coming Sunday at 11 a.m. And of course, we'll be live streaming at 11, about 11.30 a.m. for the message. Uh, so come on by and join us. I'd love to see you there. And in the meantime, if you've already got a church home and your preacher's preaching the word of God, go there, worship the Lord, have a great time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll see you on the other side of this weekend on Monday morning. In the meantime, remember that we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.